0: Please let this thing be over soon.
1: Well, good luck with that. It may take forever between now and next week.
0: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Oh, that's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it's not. I'm so scared in case I fall off
1: my chair. Yeah, still a little scared. And I'm how I get down the stairs.
0: Clowns let me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle
1: with you clowns and jokers beware
0: stuck in
1: we're back from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the I broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm people powered radio in la up in oregon on 91.7 fm kyaq on the central coast and 88.5 fm kaku the voice of maui in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, up in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM950KTNF, The Progressive Voice of Minnesota, and streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the Internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation. NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Trying to make some sense of it all, blanketing planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all around swell fellow, says me from BradBlog.com. Thank you for joining us. And my thanks to Angie Coyro for filling in for us on yesterday's thrilling broadcast. Much appreciated. Uh, If all goes well, we, that's me and Desi. Hello, Desi Doyen. Hello. We will be back with you every weekday between now and the apocalypse. (laughs) I mean, the election day next week, one week from today. It is uh it is now the beginning of November and we are mercifully as I say just one week from election day. Finally. But uh remember the beginning of October just one month ago, seems like forever ago. It it really does. Just one month ago, but it seems like it ages. In any event, here's how John Oliver described where we were at the time in this crazy election one month ago this week.
0: Just, just do me a favor, look up into the sky right now. Higher, no, h- higher still. Do you see that? Way up there, way up above the clouds. That's rock bottom. And we are currently way down here. Not that it makes it any better. So that was that was the beginning
1: of October, the beginning of the month of October. Uh, the following week, it, it, just after the uh, the Donald Trump, Billy Bush Access Hollywood video emerged, that hadn't even happened when John Oliver had said that rock bottom was way up there. So uh, the following week, that video hit and here was John Oliver on HBO's Last Week Tonight, the next week.
0: Yes. That is audio of Donald Trump in 2005 telling a giggling Billy Bush that one of the perks of fame is that he can grab women's genitalia without permission. And and let me just remind you that last Sunday, I told you if you looked above the clouds, you would see rock bottom. But but if you look up there now, just way, way, way up there, all the way up high, you will see right up in the distance where we were this time last week. Because since then, We have sunk so low. We are breaking through the earth's crust where drowning in boiling magma will come as sweet, sweet relief.
1: Now, of course, that was several weeks ago. This past Sunday on uh, Last Week Tonight on HBO with John Oliver, here's how he put where we are right now. To recap.
0: The grinding hell of this election has thrown in yet another twist, with the election potentially hanging in the balance, all thanks to the fact Anthony Weiner allegedly sexted with a 15-year-old girl. Now, a month ago, when Donald Trump tweeted, we should check out a sex tape of a former Miss Universe contestant, I said, if you looked up, you would see rock bottom. (laughs) Well, if you look up now, you will see absolutely nothing, and I'll tell you why. We have burrowed through not just rock bottom, but through the core of the Earth, and we've come bursting out the other side, startling kangaroos, and we're currently hurtling toward outer space where there is no up, down, light, or darkness, just an endless void in which death comes as sweet, sweet relief. Please let this thing be over soon. Now, uh yeah, kind
1: of I think everyone in this country may feel that way right around now. But speaking about hurtling through Earth... This uh, this feeling this has not been, uh, you know, new just the last month. This has been going on for a long time. And to give you a reminder of that, uh, I went back to a story back from uh, July. I mean, if October seems like forever ago, July. Well, that was like 50 years oh, ago. <laughs> that was. Yeah. Uh, July. Uh, the beginning of July 2016. Uh, this was. Uh, let's see. How, how much do. How much do some people hate the idea of a President Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Apparently enough that a bunch of people polled by public policy polling at the time. This was actually the poll was actually in in late uh, June, late last June. uh, Enough of those people said that they would rather die in an apocalyptic event than see either President Hillary Clinton or President Donald Trump. At least according to the June survey by the left-leaning public policy polling, you may remember this, 13% of the people who were polled would rather have a giant meteor hit earth than elect Clinton or Trump. The exact question in the poll at the time was, quote, if the choices for president were Democrat Hillary Clinton, Republican Donald Trump and a giant meteor hitting the earth, which would you choose? Well, at the time, in uh, late June, about 43% chose Clinton, 38% chose Donald Trump, 13% chose the giant meteor, and 7% weren't sure. <laughs> Uh, Unlike its uh, Earth-based opponents, uh, as uh, U.S. News and World Report had noted at the time, the giant meteor had pretty equal support across ideological lines. 21% of meteor supporters identified as somewhat or very conservative, 16% as moderate, 23% as somewhat or very liberal. And uh, and that was the same uh, same uh, across uh, political parties. Eight percent of Democrats and eight percent of Republicans were in favor of the meteor at the time and a staggering 27 percent of independents supported the meteor at the time. Uh, that was in June, and now mid October, the the meteor has returned. It actually picked up a, uh, a a Twitter handle, Giant Meteor 2016. There are bumper stickers out there for it. <laughs> yes, I've seen them. Uh, and uh, and and it's still the case. Even in mid October, a lot of uh, young Americans, according to Reuters, were so dissatisfied with their choices in the election that nearly one in four young voters told uh, one opinion poll that they would rather. Have a giant meteor destroy the earth and see Trump or Clinton in the White House. This was uh, the UMass Lowell's Center for Public Opinion, I guess, picked up what PPP had started earlier uh, this year. And uh, it's apparently, when they were talking to young voters, some 53% of more than 1,200 people aged 18 to 35, said they would prefer to see a meteor destroy the world than have Republican New York real estate developer Donald Trump in the Oval Office. 53% preferred the meteor over Trump. Just 34% preferred the uh, planetary annihilation to seeing uh, Democratic uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton win. Some, But that's 23%, nearly one in four, Wanted, uh, preferred the giant meteor to either Trump or Clinton. Uh, when asked to choose between the actual candidates, taking out the meteor from the equation, Clinton easily led amongst this uh, group of young uh, young voters, or perhaps hopeful voters. We'll see if they vote. Clinton led that group fifty-four to twenty-one percent in a two-way race. She led uh, forty-eight to twenty percent among young voters in a four-way race with uh, Libertarian Gary Johnson picking up 10% among young voters and Green Party Jill Stein picking up uh, 4% in that poll. So that was in mid-October. Here's a news item. On Sunday, NPR reported a large space rock came fairly close to Earth. What? Mr. Meteor decided to take a visit? Yes. Uh, Fortunately, it didn't hit Earth. That's a uh, good—see, there's some good news on today's program. Uh, The the astronomers figured that out in advance, thanks in part to a new tool that NASA is developing for detecting potentially dangerous asteroids. That's a good thing. Uh, of, of course, if we uh, you know cut all of the government spending, then we'd have less money to you know find objects that may be about to hit Earth. And in this case, this thing was actually uh, only discovered just days ago. The tool that discovered it is a computer program called Scout. It's being tested at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory out here in Pasadena, California. NPR says uh, Scout is, uh, think of it as a celestial intruder alert system, constantly scanning data from telescopes to see if there are any reports of so-called near-Earth objects. I guess that would be Giant Meteor 2016. Uh, If it finds one, it makes a quick calculation of whether Earth is at risk and instructs other telescopes to make follow-up observations and so forth. NASA pays for several telescopes around the planet. Thank you, NASA. NASA to scan the skies on a nightly basis looking for these objects, according to astronomer Paul Chodis of JPL, uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Objects can come close to the Earth shortly after discovery, sometimes one day, two days, even hours in some cases. In this case, the rock that whizzed past uh, the Earth on Sunday, October 30, was discovered on the night of October 25 and 26 by the NASA-founded uh, Panoramic Survey Telescope and Rapid Response System uh, on, uh, on Maui, Hawaii. Hey there, KAKU, our affiliates out in, uh, in Maui. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Uh, Scout did a quick analysis and determined that the uh, object was headed for Earth, but would miss us by about 310,000 miles. But that's pretty close, in uh, yeah. That's surprising astronomical, uh, uh, yeah, uh, terms. Uh, they were also estimate that uh, the object was uh, somewhere between five and twenty five meters. That program, Scout, is dealing with smallish objects. But so that's like as big as a building. Yeah. A sp- oh, yeah. A house. Uh, well, no, no, five meters, five or 25, 25 meters. Yeah, yeah. That, that actually is as big as a house. There's another system that's called Sentry that is uh, trying to identify objects large enough to wipe out a major city or wipe out Earth in the next hundred years. Uh, their goal is to find 90 percent of the 140-meter asteroids and larger According to Chodis, right now he estimates we're only able to find about 25 to 30 percent of the estimated population of objects that size. That might come as good news to young voters uh, who are rooting for that uh, giant meteor. I, on the other hand, am not. But we did have a, a meteor of sorts strike the 2016 election on Friday, just as we were going to air. The unprecedented announcement made by uh, uh, the FBI Director James Comey that the agency was reviewing these uh, newly discovered emails that might, that maybe, that could be, maybe, who knows, related to their previous investigation of Hillary Clinton's email server. Uh, That news hit the 2016 presidential election, much like a meteor, I think, or an asteroid, that nobody saw coming. Now, I, I, how this incredibly un- unusual action by the FBI director in violation of the Department of Justice's own rules for avoiding election-related announcements and, and indictments and so forth in the in the weeks leading up to an, uh, to the election, how that will ultimately affect results, that remains to be seen, but it seems unlikely to be good news for Hillary Clinton, even if there's nothing there, as so far there is nothing there. Just as many folks were, you know, sort of becoming complacent about the idea that uh, Hillary Clinton is going to defeat Donald Trump, uh, that news struck the cycle like a giant meteor. And that news has once again made a President Trump much more likely, as the polls had already begun to to tighten up over the past week. There was a new national poll that came out uh, Friday, finding the Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton had a four-point advantage over Donald Trump nationally. This was on Friday. The ABC News Washington Post tracking poll found Clinton leading Trump 48 to 44 percent in a four-way contest with uh, Gary Johnson getting 4 percent, Jill Stein getting 2 percent. So she had still that lead, according to that poll, uh, by four points. But what's notable here is that that uh, lead, that four-point poll, that was an eight-point drop in a single week last week. So the week prior to last week, Clinton had led in that same poll. Now, you can't make too much out of any one poll, but if you uh, compare, you know, one poll one week and the same poll the week or the month before, now you're comparing apples to apples. And in this case, Clinton had led by as much as 12 points just one week earlier. So we saw an eight point drop in one week in the ABC News Washington Post poll. And that that was before the Comey letter on Friday keep that in mind why don't you uh, the, the poll finds uh, that and here's the other I find a disturbing thing the poll found that a majority of likely voters expect Clinton to win the election 59 percent of respondents said that the uh, the former Secretary of State is likely to win the White House while only 30 percent could say the same about Trump so you had a lot of people out there thinking last week thinking oh Hillary Clinton's gonna win uh, it's all good nothing to worry about at least if they were Clinton supporters. And again, that was before the Comey news, that eight point plummet in that particular poll. Now, looking at that same poll today, Donald Trump is now one point ahead of Hillary Clinton. This for the first time in months, according to the ABC News-Washington Post tracking poll. Trump is now leading Hillary Clinton among likely voters 46% to 45%. The two candidates are divided by a slim 0.7% margin. That is well within the poll's margin of error. Trump had uh, led Clinton only one other time in this post-track, in this uh, ABC News uh, post-tracking poll. This was back in May, shortly after he got the, uh, the Republican nomination. At that time, Clinton and former Democratic candidate Bernie Sanders were still locked in their own primary battle. So not since then. And only then has Trump led in this poll, and in this tracking poll, and now he is leading by one point over Hillary Clinton. This was conducted, this poll, I should add, was conducted uh, between October 27 and October 30. So that's uh, four days, and uh, a couple of them were before the James Comey, Hillary Clinton, the new email news, for whatever it's worth, before it had hit all of the before it had smashed into the earth on Friday. Uh, That uh, several days of the polling came after the news, Uh, so it's likely reflected a little bit in this poll, but uh, it could even be reflected more so if it redounds to uh, Trump's benefit since a couple of the days in this poll took place before the asteroid hit. The Real Clear Politics average Still shows Clinton up, but by not much—by uh, a 2.4 uh, percent uh, margin, 2.4 percentage points, according to Real Clear Politics, which averages all the polls together. But as we always note on this program, the national popular vote numbers don't actually tell the tell the story, because we have state by state elections here, and as Nate Silver. And 538.com uh noted last night he was looking at the polling numbers uh, and comparing them to 2012. He said we can compare Clinton's current margins in our uh, in our forecast, which shows uh, Hillary Clinton likely to beat Donald Trump at this point. Uh, he says we can compare Clinton's current margins in our forecast against President Obama's performance in 2012. Clinton, despite Trump's recent improvement in the polls, Leads by 4.7 points in the national popular vote, according to them last night. Uh, That's a wider margin, so she leads by more than Obama's 3.9 point victory over Mitt Romney in 2012. But he adds Clinton is performing worse than Obama in 10 of the 12 states that are generally considered swing states back in 2012. You know, the states that actually matter. In in some regard, you know, it doesn't matter if if Hillary Clinton is going to win out here in uh, California by a huge margin. It doesn't matter if she wins by 10 or 15 points or five points. She's still going to, you know, take all of the electorate uh, electors from the state. It's the battlegrounds that are important. And in the battleground states, Clinton is performing worse than Obama did against Mitt Romney in 10 of the 12 states that were considered battlegrounds back in 2012 in some cases such as Florida and Pennsylvania the difference he says is negligible but she's underperforming Obama substantially in Iowa in Michigan in Ohio and in Nevada and to somewhat lesser extent in Wisconsin and Minnesota She's considerably outperforming Obama this year in in Virginia and North Carolina. so there is that. Uh, but conversely, Silver adds that is not enough to make up for her losses elsewhere. And remember, most of those numbers he's looking at were numbers that had come in prior, to this uh, James Comey asteroid uh, on Friday. What really concerns me about all of this is that there's still one more Friday news dump to go oh, yes. before Election there's Day. There's a lot to go. A yeah, lot to go. and that can uh, still happen. Well, which is why I've been trying to point out here that overconfidence for anyone is a killer. Voters would be wise to presume Absolutely nothing at this point, and I guess I have to just keep repeating that, take nothing for granted. Polls only tell us so much, they don't tell us the effects of voter suppression, voter intimidation, uh, you know, at the polling place. We're going to talk a little bit more about that with my guest in a moment. They don't tell us about voting machines and computer tabulator failures, hacking, long lines. They don't tell us about the Bradley effect, those voters who will support Trump in the privacy of the voting booth, but they're too embarrassed to tell pollsters about it when they're asked. That could have an effect. You could see uh, several percentage points uh, more support for Donald Trump. Uh, you know, and frankly, I, I, I think it's wise to presume this year that that number will be much larger than is currently reflected in the polls, the support for Donald Trump. Uh, and then uh, in the meantime... Oh, there's voter fraud. Remember, Donald Trump keep telling us that oh, voter fraud is a huge, huge worry that people are going in and voting five and ten times if there's no photo ID voting restrictions. All of that is, of course, completely untrue. There is a voter fraud, but it's generally via absentee voting uh, at the polling place. It is extraordinarily rare. But now, for some reason or another, Donald Trump has decided maybe he's okay with voter fraud as long as the voter fraud is in favor of him. Here was uh, Trump speaking over the weekend in, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio.
2: There are 2.8 million people that are registered in more than one state. So we'll vote here. Let's ride down the road. Let's vote next. Time. Maybe they'll vote for Trump. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. I may be hurting myself. You're right. You're right. Maybe they're going to vote for Trump. All right. Let's forget that. It's OK for them to do it.
1: So fraud is OK. As long as it's, in, you know, in favor. As long as it's on my behalf. Nah, as long as it's in favor of him. And remember, he said he'll support the, whatever the results are from the election. So long as they announce that he won. So that's kind of that's what we're dealing with. In the meantime, uh, maybe someone heard Donald Trump saying, hey, it's okay to commit voter fraud on behalf of me. A woman in Iowa was arrested late last week on suspicion of, yes, voting twice in the general election, according to uh, police records on Friday. Terry Lynn wrote a 55 year old Des Moines resident, Des Moines, Iowa, was booked on uh, on Thursday on a first degree charge of election misconduct according to Polk County jails the charge is considered a class D felony she was released after posting $5000 bond a hearing is scheduled for uh, for later this week actually for next week the Des Moines Register reported that wrote is a registered republican who cast two ballots in the general election, an early voting ballot at the Polk County Election Office and another at a county satellite voting location, according to police records. She hadn't planned on voting twice, she said, uh, but it was a, quote, a spur-of-the-moment thing when she walked by the satellite voting location in Iowa. She, uh, she told the Washington, Poll, uh, Washington Post in a phone interview over the weekend, she said, I don't know what came over me. She added she's been a supporter of Donald Trump since early in his campaign, after uh, Republican Mike Huckabee had dropped out of the primary race. wrote, told Iowa Public Radio that she had cast her first ballot for Trump, but feared it would be changed to a vote for Hillary Clinton. She said the polls are rigged. <sighs> wonder where she got that idea. Uh, and so she tried to vote twice. In addition to Wrote, by the way, the uh, Polk County, Iowa, Auditor's Office reported two other people uh, to police last week on suspicions of voter fraud, according to the Des Moines Register. In uh, the other two cases, the, those people cast mail-in ballots and then they also voted in person at one of the state's early voting locations, according to the uh, according to the paper. And as I've noted, yes, that's how fraud actually happens. Even if they showed their photo ID, it wouldn't have stopped that type of fraud from happening because they voted under their own name in person and via absentee. Now, Polk County Auditor Jamie Fitzgerald told the Des Moines Register that was the first time in 12 years that he could remember having to report possible voter fraud. And he says correctly that uh, I think it shows that our voting system works in Iowa, that we were able to catch it. So uh, he also adds the uh, the reported incidents could have been honest mistakes, obviously not a mistake in the case of the woman who voted twice in person, unless she's insane, which, of course, she could be, Well, she's a Trump supporter. That's all I'm saying. But uh, she's it's uh, not for uh, the auditor to decide uh, whether, uh, you know, it was on purpose or not. In the case of the absentee ballot, sometimes people forget they don't know. Did I send it in? I can't remember if I sent in the absentee. They get all worked up so that can happen. But it got caught, as it usually does in a case like that. Meanwhile, in Iowa itself, Clinton, or Trump, uh, Clinton and Trump are now, uh, it's a swing state. They are now locked in a dead heat, according to Quinnipiac University. This was a poll released uh, just a couple of days ago uh, last week. Uh, Clinton and Trump are now tied in Iowa with 44 percent of the vote each. Election Day, by way of reminder, is November 8th. Don't let anyone tell you different. We're going to take a quick break, and we are going to talk more about Election Day, but not about uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. You're welcome. <laughs> well, there's a few other things on the ballot this year that we are going to continue trying to uh, bring to light, as so many of them are being ignored on behalf of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and the giant meteor. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. Don't go away. <laughs>
0: Since I've been away from you, I can't wait till I get going. Even now, I'm starting in a call. Off. California, here I come. Yes, here we come. Right back
1: where. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Brad Brad uh, recreational marijuana could be legal in a quarter of the country following this year's election. Nancy Latorno recently wrote over at Washington Monthly, uh, she said, I see a lot of parallels between what happened recently with marriage equality and what is beginning to happen with marijuana legalization. She cites a poll from Pew Research uh, finding that the share of Americans who now favor legalizing the use of marijuana continues to increase today some 57 percent. Of U.S. adults say the use of marijuana should be made legal, while 37% say it should be illegal. 57 to 37%. Now, a decade ago, she notes that the opinion on legalizing marijuana was nearly the reverse. Just 32% favored legalization just 10 years ago, with 60% opposed at the time. Now, uh, recreational marijuana, as uh, Russell Berman notes, uh, can legally light up a joint in states representing about 5% of the U.S. population. By the time Americans wake up on November 9, however, that percentage could be more than one quarter. Measures to legalize and regulate the sale of cannabis are on are on the ballot in California, Arizona, Massachusetts, Maine, and Nevada, and recent polling shows that the yes vote is winning in all five states. Approval would mark the biggest advance yet for advocates in the decades-long fight over legalizing marijuana once one that they believe could ultimately force the federal government to end its prohibition of the drug. Well, for all the supposed power of conservatism in this country, they sure do a crappy job when it comes to policy on things like marijuana, on things like marriage equality. And yes, it is moving as fast as uh, as marriage equality uh, moved in many cases when it comes to marijuana. Now, we've been trying on the program amidst all the extraordinary noise of this Astonishing presidential election to focus a bit more over the past few weeks uh, on some of the other items that are on the ballot around the country on November 8th. In addition to the one uh, to the one race that you've certainly heard about in the corporate media that we've covered as well. Um, But the corporate media doesn't seem to cover anything else. The lack of issues coverage has been extraordinary this year. So I'm trying to make up for that a little bit of late trying to cover what they are not. Uh, With control of the U.S. Senate up for grabs next Tuesday, with hundreds of millions in dark, undisclosed corporate dollars being spent to try and influence the outcome of those races, as well as the U.S. House races, state and local races, even elections for state Supreme Court justices, where, as we reported last week, a record amount of undisclosed corporate money is now being spent to buy control of state courts. With many of the judges there having to stand for election, uh, not to mention the untold millions that are being spent on ballot initiatives around the country, like the purposely deceptive anti-solar power measure that was placed on uh, on the ballot by monopolistic fossil fuel utility companies in Florida meant to hoax voters into believing that it's a pro-solar measure. That anti-solar ballot measure we talked about it last week is state constitutional me- uh, amendment. Uh, Amendment 1 in the Sunshine State, and it is a fraud. When we discussed a week or two ago, the, uh, the Republican governor of Oklahoma, this uh, Desi, you carried this on one of your Green News reports, uh, the governor there, Mary Fallon, was literally announcing a day of prayer for the oil fields. Remember that? Oh, a week yes. or so ago? Um, <laughs> because profits are down, apparently, in the oil fields uh, due to oversaturation, of the American energy market with fracking. Uh, Yes, they are putting themselves out of business in many ways with fracking, and it ain't the Obama administration doing it, unfortunately. Uh, We noted the the budget shortfalls in Oklahoma due to the uh, subsidies that oil companies in Oklahoma were getting, and that means that hundreds of millions of dollars in the meantime have been cut to school budgets by Governor Mary Fallon. In response to our coverage of that issue, we received an email from a listener uh, named Chad. Yes, his name is Chad in Oklahoma. He writes to say, uh, Brad just finished listening to the broadcast and the Green News report about Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon and school funding. This year, he says, we will vote on State Question 779, a ballot measure to increase the state's sales tax by one percentage point to generate education funds. And uh, that is to make up, essentially, for this shortfall. He says, love all the work you do. Keep it up. Sincerely, Chad. He goes on to uh, cite an article there about the difficult choice that voters in Oklahoma have to make. They have to raise their own taxes because of the, you know, the the deals, the subsidies that have been given to oil companies, and it's costing the kids. So it's sort of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But that's what voters are facing now in Oklahoma because, you know, the oil fields come first. Pray for them. In the meantime, here in California, there are no fewer than 17 state measures on the ballot this year. One of them even has to do with whether porn film actors in California Must use condoms. That is actually on the ballot out here. The official California general election voters guide sent out to each household is 223 pages long. I am not kidding. 223 pages. Seriously. Of course, that doesn't even include all of the county, city, school and various district ballot measures in various jurisdictions as well. It's kind of embarrassing, to be frank, and it makes you wonder why we elect representatives in the first place. And it also makes you wonder if it's too easy to get stuff on the ballot. Our own Ernest A. Canning, Brad Blog's legal analyst, has been uh, writing about some of the measures on the California state ballot this year. He joins us now to talk about a few of the uh, very important ones, important in some cases to the entire country. Uh, and we're going to talk about a bit more. Ernie Canning is Brad Blog's, as I said, longtime legal analyst. He's a retired attorney. He's an author. He's a Vietnam veteran. And he's happy. Uh, happily, he's back from a hiatus during the primary when he was working as a senior advisor to veterans for Bernie. He's been covering some of these state ballot measures in California for us and trying to keep up with the various legal matters concerning election lawsuits on voter suppression and related matters around the country. Hey, Ernie, welcome back to the broadcast. How you doing, Brad? Hanging in there, my friend. Hope you are as well. And I want to get to some of these propositions, but uh, uh, you've been you've been writing about them for us at Brad blog. But over the last few days, we've had quite a bit of behind the scenes legal action between the Democratic National Committee and the Republican National Committee. I want to hit that Uh, in, in short. Uh, Let me sort of summarize part of this. The DNC has filed a complaint in this long running federal consent decree uh, court order against the GOP, which, thanks to voter intimidation by the GOP back in the 80s, the the Republicans are still barred from certain types of so-called ballot security programs uh, and related Election Day activities that the court and the party itself have acknowledged were voter intimidation and suppression efforts back in the uh, back in the 80s. The Democrats have now filed to have that consent decree against the Republicans uh it was supposed to expire at the end of next year but now the Democrats want it extended for another 8 years given what appears to be the RNC collusion with the Trump operation to carry out banned activities in this year's election, banned, you know, poll watching voter intimidation activities. But now over the weekend, Ernie, Uh, The Democrats filed four separate voter intimidation lawsuits in Ohio, Arizona, North Carolina, Pennsylvania against the uh, the the GOP state parties, I think, uh, against Donald Trump and against this longtime GOP operative and and Trump advisor Roger Stone, a guy who goes Republican dirty trickster, really, who goes back to the uh, to the Nixon years. This was filed under the Ku Klux Klan Act. Uh, very quickly, Ernie, wh- what the hell are these lawsuits? What's the Ku Klux Klan Act? Uh, and what do the Democrats hope to achieve in, uh, in filing these uh, four uh, suits in four different states uh, this, uh, in just days before the election?
2: Well, first off, all the suits, including the DNC versus RNC case, are federal court cases not not state court cases okay they've filed in different federal courts uh... depending on which state they're in i see uh, starting with the first one it's not really a complaint which is what you initiate a lawsuit with but a motion and in the motion that they filed in the rnc case uh... that motion seeks to hold the rnc in contempt of court it seeks an immediate injunction to stop the rnc from taking part in the voter intimidation tactics and it seeks the the extension of the of the consent decree mm-hmm. and a couple things that are really interesting that arise out of that because it's the exact same tactic that the that the Trump campaign uh, is engaged in now and Roger Stone, mm-hmm. who's a Trump advisor now, had been a key advisor to New Jersey Governor Thomas Keane mm-hmm. back in the 1980 campaign when they pulled this stuff up. You know they were hiring uh, po- off duty police officers and and basically going into minority neighbors and trying to intimidate people to prevent them from voting.
1: And that was the case that resulted in this consent decree that bars them from certain type of of, of poll watching, right?
2: That's correct. And what that case does now, that's limited primarily to the the relief is primarily limited to the RNC. But what all of these cases are being filed by attorney Mark Elias, if you remember, he was the one that... uh, Represented Al Franken in that uh, uh, dispute with, uh, with Coleman regarding who won the... Uh,
1: 2008 uh, Senate race, yeah.
2: Right, and, and prevailed, and he's a very sharp attorney. And what he did in that case was he's alleging the critical issue there is not whether these, va- these uh, uh, so-called ballot security tactics uh, uh, are taking place, but whether the uh, RNC is, uh, has colluded or, with uh, the Trump campaign, and Roger Stone to carry out these tactics and uh uh what's happened so far is the the RNC of course is coming in alleging they aren't and and uh whereas uh, Elias is making these allegations that there's been both direct and tacit support uh for them all relating to uh this exp- the supposed excuse is is they've got to protect against voter fraud which as you and I know is a phantom menace uh, uh mm-hmm. there was that study done uh and showed that only 31 cases of in-person voter fraud out of a billion votes cast uh, right. in the last 14 years. So it just doesn't happen uh, that often. And the one time they had it this year was a Trump supporter in Iowa.
1: Right. We uh, that got about caught. That.
2: And the Iowa, by the way, doesn't have photo ID, so they caught her even without the photo ID. Well, and
1: she wasn't she wasn't impersonating a voter. She was going in as herself, and she got Trying caught, to go apparently. twice, and they caught her. But this—I uh, want to hit, because I want to get to a break, and we'll come back and talk about the propositions. But what about these these four—these uh, these separates, these voter intimidation suits in Ohio, Arizona, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania? Well— well, what are those that about? One,
2: those ones are going directly after Trump. They're also seeking temporary restraining orders. They're going after the Trump campaign uh, and the state par- Republican state parties in each of those states, making essentially the same allegations. And it's being brought under the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, which was the last of the enforcement acts that were passed after the civil war during the reconstruction period uh to prevent this exact same thing of in- voter intimidation mm. uh and it makes it unlawful and allows the court to enjoin so that so Elias uh, his theory being advanced is that Trump is violating the the KKK act so that's what those those suits are and the reason he had to file separate suits In those separate states was because of that. The interesting thing in the RNC cases, the court has already issued this broad discovery order that compels the RNC to produce all the agreements it has with the Trump campaign pertaining to voter fraud, ballot security, poll monitoring and poll watching. So that, uh, uh, th- that one's moving pretty quick. And
1: this is all going to happen within the next few days. The discovery has to come out uh, w- within the next few days, and they got to make a decision on this. It looks to me like uh, the the Democrats, in any event, are playing hardball when it comes to what they fear could happen uh, at the polls on November 8th with voter intimidation. I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, we'll see if they're successful at least they're sending that message. Ernie, let me do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll run through all of these propositions uh, that you've been covering. We'll we'll try to fly through as many as we can. So sit tight, Ernie Canning, uh, legal analyst at bradblog.com. We'll take a quick break and we will be back with more. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation, but we need your support to keep doing so now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going or even just a one time only contribution Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm speaking with Ernie Canning. He is bradblog.com's long-serving legal analyst. And, uh, all right, let's hit some of these props, uh, these state ballot initiatives on the California ballot, which are just amazing. There's at least, uh, I think, 17 of them statewide. Uh, one of them that is getting a lot of play on the airwaves, a lot of play out here, is Prop 61. And here's a... Uh, Uh, an ad from the no on Prop 61 uh, group, Ernie Canning, and then I'll let you uh, respond to it as a veteran yourself. When you raise your right hand, you're writing a blank check for your body. You're giving it to your country. Veterans sacrifice so much.
2: The initiative would be terrible for veterans. To have to pay more for prescription drugs is not the way to go. It is important that they get those benefits because they suffered for them. My name is Lamont. I'm a retired Marine, and I oppose this misleading
0: initiative.
1: Wow, that sounds pretty terrible, Ernie. Prop 61. Uh, you're a, a, a veteran yourself. Um, what does Prop 61 do, and uh, why is this veteran against it? In this uh, in this ad that's been all over the airwaves out here.
2: Well. The argument that this would somehow be harmful to veterans, I could start off right off the bat and say that it is the big lie technique. There is absolutely no truth to it. What it does is it prohibits the state of California from buying any prescription drug uh, uh, at a price uh, that is higher than the lowest price paid for the same drug by the the Department of Veterans Affairs. And um, that price is set in federal law, it cannot be negotiated by or unilaterally raised by the drug manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie Sanders wrote an excellent uh, op-ed on that. The troubling feature of this is that the pharmaceutical industry, which has such a monopoly control over prices and is gouging people right and left, has poured $109 million into this ad campaign. How much? 100? $109 million. And not all of that $109 million went to buy the ads. It turns out, uh, thanks to Lee Fang, that we learn that uh, some of that money has been fu- funneled to s- uh, several of the major veterans' organizations and some supposedly progressive, democratic organizations. To uh, in endorse their position on, uh, on the No on, on 61
1: campaign. So let me, let me make sure I got this right. So Prop 61 basically says if you're a, a, a California state agency buying prescription drugs for whatever it is, MediCal or any of those uh, sort of uh, state agencies, then you cannot, the state will not pay more than the price that the Veterans Administration pays for those same drugs. And Veterans Administration, they get a, a, a discount. And so... Uh, California, the state of California, would get that same discount, and now you've got the pharmaceutical companies coming out using veterans to say this will harm us somehow, this will harm the veterans? It doesn't make it, it sense. Not
2: Not only do they not have the—cannot unilaterally uh, raise the price that they sell to the VA, but um, those are fixed under federal law, but the uh, regardless, the veterans themselves— the, their co-pays are fixed by law, and can't, this can have absolutely no impact on that. And in the case of veterans who are getting treated for service-connected conditions, they don't pay anything at all for their prescription medications. They get it for free. So it's, it's absolute nonsense. This proposition, more than any other, shows you the problem with our uh, money and our, in our political system. Mm-hmm. They put these ads on, and actually the TV station that puts the ads on should say, hey, you know, we should fact-check that. That's not true, but they're not going to do that because they're biting the hands that feeds them. You know, these ads have become a major source of revenue for our commercial media, and they're not doing their job.
1: Which is... Uh, A point that I try to uh, highlight, I know you've written about this before at uh, at the uh, Brad blog, uh, that all of this money that we're talking about, not all of it, but the bulk of it, when you talk about $109 million being spent by the pharmaceutical companies to block this thing, when they're spending that money, they're spending it by giving it to uh, to these TV and radio stations who make money hand over fist out of all of this corporate spending. So, of course the mainstream corporate media is not going to spend a lot of time debunking these ads, rejecting these ads or even letting the electorate know that you know all of this money after citizens united and everything is actually going to them, is going to the media.
2: That's exactly right. The ultimate beneficiaries of citizens united are the media, which is perhaps one of the reasons why they don't uh, ask questions and debates about repealing Citizens United.
1: Good point. Uh, all right, let's move on to the uh, death penalty. There are two different uh, ballot initiatives in California concerning the death penalty, Prop 62 and 66, and as you wrote about uh, a month or so at, uh, at at Bradblog.com, it is a looming life-or-death decision between those two uh, competing propositions.
2: 62 is outright repeal of the death penalty, uh, includes provisions that would force the inmates to serve uh, uh, life without parole sentences, but also to their whatever restitution they, uh, or money they earn uh, in, in prison would go to the families for restitution. And uh, it's a straightforward measure which would save tons of money to, to uh, the state of California. Uh, Prop 66 is the prosecutor's response to that, that somehow they could fix the system. Uh, of the 900 human beings who have received death, more than 900, uh, since 1978, there have been a total of 13 executions uh, at a cost of $5 billion, or about $384 million per execution. And
1: that, we're just talking about California in that case, right? Right. This is all California. Yeah.
2: Cal- California, there are 748 people on death row. Um, the proposal uh, 66 would would basically cut appeal times, but it would also increase the likelihood that we're going to execute someone who's innocent. And I gave, uh, people mm-hmm. who are really interested in this should, should read the article it's a lot more, but I gave detailed cases of how certain people who died, uh, or, or certain people who were convicted and later turned out to be, uh, DNA proved them to be true, if they had these time periods in, those people would have been executed and you'd bury your mistake.
1: So, th- um, The 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 bury your mistake. Well well put. Uh, Prop sixty six essentially they say will will fix the death penalty. Will fix the problem with uh, all of these people on death row for decades at a time by shortening the appeal period.
2: Let me just read one thing to you that from uh, this former public defender in the district of Columbia talked about. He says it it bears noting that in order to clear this backlog of seven hundred forty eight souls. People on death roll now. California would have to execute one person a day, every day, including Saturdays and Sundays and holidays, Mm. for more than two years. Uh, And if we did that, he suggests that California will. Uh, forfeit its rightful seat at the table of a civilized, just, and peaceful people around the world.
1: And Prop 62 essentially would just end the death penalty once and for all in California. It's supported by California uh, Democratic Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom. It's, uh, uh, and former President Jimmy Carter uh, supports this. Basically, it converts all of those death penalties into just life in prison without uh, possibility of parole, and it saves a whole bunch of money for California in the bargain correct? That's correct. So that's Prop 62. And then 66 says, uh, oh, we'll we'll kill them faster. Uh, so check out Ernie's uh, piece on that California's looming life or death decision. What, what happens if both what happens if both of them pass? Uh, Ernie, any idea? Well, it
2: would be whichever whichever has the most votes would would be the one that would would control.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Very interesting. So- all right, we've got uh, just a minute or two left here. I know Prop 59 is one that's been very important to you for a while, several years, actually. This is the uh, Citizens United uh, uh, initiative. Uh, very quickly, what what is that? And, uh, th- well, give us a quick history and, uh, and now what it will mean this year if it passes.
2: It is a uh, directive from the people of California to their elected representatives to support a constitutional amendment that would overturn c- Citizens United and, importantly, Ensure that corporations are not entitled to the same constitutional rights as human beings. It was placed on the ballot at the request of the California legislature as a form of guidance. The principal argument against it, uh, which the LA Times has come out, you know, is well, gee, it's just an advisory measure, it's just ballot clutter. It's probably the most important ballot measure that, that we have on the ballot because it goes to the core of everything else. The, the historical basis for this is if you look at uh, this type of advisory measure, uh, California first, or uh, there was uh, the 17th Amendment. Uh, California had, uh, back in 1891, the legislature voted to place that issue on the 1892 ballot. It prevailed in a landslide at 93%. Other states followed suit with that, and eventually in 1913, The amendment allowing for direct election of uh, U.S. senators uh, Mm -hmm. uh, came into law. So this is an important first step because it's an instruction to every member of the California delegation of Congress, plus our own state legislature, this is what the people want, and I think it's just critical if you, if you value democracy that you vote for this.
1: That's Prop 59, and it had been, uh, it was supposed to be on the ballot uh, two years ago back in, uh, in 2014, but it was removed over the legal wrangling of whether you were allowed to have a mere advisory uh, measure on the ballot. So this basically says, hey, we, the people of California, would like our legislators to know that we want, Essentially, we want money out of politics, that, uh, you know, the, the, the Constitution, the, the rights should apply to actual human beings, not corporations, and it's sending a very clear signal if it passes. That's Prop 59, Citizens United. Uh, by the way, I, yeah. I think
2: it's important that it not just pass, but everybody make sure that it gets the kind of overwhelming uh, support that the 17th Amendment got, and try and pass this by at least 80%
1: well yeah and that will that will even send a clearer message indeed all right very quickly a uh, prop fifty four would uh, legalize the uh recreational use of marijuana would end this decades long prohibition uh thoughts on prop fifty four ernie canning
2: well, it's a vital, important first step in what I think is essentially what we need of a uh, end of all narcotics prohibition in the United States over the last 40 years, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm quoting Amy Goodman from this. Uh, For the last 40 years, there have been more than 45 million drug related uh, arrests in the United States at a cost of $1 trillion. Uh, Yet drugs are cheaper, purer, and more available today than ever. And actually, the reality is counterintuitive. Prohibition increases narcotics consumption. In Portugal, they've had an experiment with decades long experiment of uh, decriminalization of all narcotics and that's produced a fifty percent reduction in all drug abuse uh... when it comes to marijuana which is probably the least dangerous of clothes, uh, of all controlled substances uh... there was a study done a couple of years ago by a, a researcher john getman now this is nationwide that we squander forty three billion dollars a year controlling the least uh. dangerous drug uh... and that's broken down into ten point seven billion dollars in Direct law enforcement cost and thirty-one point one billion dollars in lost revenues. Uh, in California, these drug war expenditures uh, it, it, it have uh, have affected other areas of public service. In nineteen eighty, ten percent of California's budget was devoted to higher education, and only three percent to prison. By twenty ten, eleven percent went to prisons, and only seven point five percent to higher uh, education. And we have, as a result of the Nixon's de- declaration of the war on drugs, we've expanded uh, uh, more than quadrupled the number of people in prisons. There are two perverse financial incentives. One is obviously privately owned prisons, but the other one is that these have created a huge pool of prison slave laborers. in some of the largest corporations. The same ones they- that outsource jobs are coming back to insource so they can get 17 cents an hour prison slave labor to do their their products. Indeed. Um,
1: Ernie, i got to get out. I'm going to point folks, because you've done some great work on this over the years at Bradblog.com. If they go to Bradblog.com, search for War on Drugs, uh, they'll find your, I think it was a three- or four-part series you did on that a couple of years ago. Yeah, and
2: there'll be a new article coming in specifically on this that I've got drafted already. want we'll w- to take a
1: look at <laughs> I w- I will look forward to that unfortunately we didn't even get uh, time to have you ring in on adult film condoms but we'll have to do that at another time that's prop 60 but prop 54 is the uh, marijuana legislation Ernie canning check out his work as ever between now and election day and beyond I suspect at bradblog.com. Uh, Thank you Ernie great catching up with you and uh, I think we're, we may have a, a busy week or two ahead of us.
2: I, I think so. And hopefully it'll be finally
1: over. <laughs> I hope so, and I hope it's a really dull week or two, but I doubt it. All right. My thanks to also to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, where we hope you'll uh, give us a good review as well, make it easier for everyone else to find us. Send me email if you like. I'm, uh, who am I? I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the TheBradBlog. All right. My thanks to you. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Everybody.